Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Asexual Ramblings podcast. <coughs> In today's episode, episode number two, I stumbled across this article on Science Daily, which I thought, you know, we need some good news or, you know, something to you know, have a, a discussion about, and that is neuroscientists isolate promising mini antibodies against COVID-19 from a llama. Now, is this good news? Or is this just <coughs> mere speculation? This was posted on December 22nd. So, a National Institute of Health researchers have isolated a set of promising tiny antibodies or nanobodies against SARS-CoV-2 that were produced by a llama named Comac. Preliminary results published in scientific reports <coughs> suggest that at least one of these nanobodies called NIH dash cov and B dash one one two could prevent infections and detect virus particles by grabbing hold of SARS CoV two spike proteins. In addition, the nanobody appeared to work equally well in either liquid or aerosol form suggesting it could remain effective after inhalation. SARS-CoV-2 is the virus that causes COVID-19. The study was led by a pair of neuroscientists, Thomas J. T. J. Esparza, B.S., and David L. Brody, M.D. and Ph.D., who work in a brain imaging lab at the NIH, National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke, NINDS for short. For years, TJ and I have had been testing out how to use nanobodies to improve brain imaging. When the pandemic broke, we thought this was a once-in-a-lifetime all hands on deck situation and joined the fight, said Dr. Brody, which is also who is also a professor at Uniformed Services University for the Health Sciences and the senior author of the study. We hope that these anti COVID nineteen nanobodies may be highly effective and versatile in combating the coronavirus pandemic. A nanobody is a special type of antibody naturally produced by the immune system of camels, a group of animals that includes camels, llamas and alpacas. On average, these proteins are about a tenth 
the rates of most human antibodies. This is because nanobodies isolated in the lab are essentially free-floating versions of the tips of the arms of heavy chain proteins, which form the backbone of a typical Y-shaped human LGG antibody. These tips play a critical role in the immune system defenses by recognising proteins on viruses, bacteria and other invaders, also known as antigens. Because nanobodies are most are more stable, less expensive to produce and easier to engineer than typical antibodies, a growing body of researchers, including Mr. Esparza and Dr. Brody, have been using them for medical research. For instance, a few years ago, a scientist showed that humanized nanobodies may be more effective at treating an autoimmune form of thrombotic thrombocytopenic purpurea, a rare blood disorder than current therapies. Since the pandemic broke, several researchers have produced llama nanobodies against the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein that may be effective at preventing infections. In the current study, the researchers used a slightly different strategy than others defined nanobodies that may work especially well. The SARS that's code 2 spike protein act like a key. It does this by opening the door to infections when it binds to a protein called the anglotensin converting enzyme 2 receptor found on the surfaces of some cells, said Mr. Esparza. The lead author of the study redeveloped a method a method that would isolate nanobodies that block infections by covering the teeth of the spike protein that bind to and unlock the H2 receptor. To do this, the researchers immunised Cormac five times over 20 days with a purified version of the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein. After testing hundreds of nanobodies, they found that Cormac produced 13 nanobodies that might be strong candidates. Initial experiments suggested that one candidate called NIH-CoV-NB1112 could work very well. Test tube studies showed that this nanobody bound to the age to receptor two to ten times stronger than nanobodies produced by other labs. Other experiments suggest that the NIH nanobody stuck directly to the age two receptor binding portion of the spike protein. Then the team showed that the 
NIH-CoVNB112 nanobody could be effective at preventing coronavirus infections to mimic the SARS-CoV-2 virus. The researchers genetically mutated a harmless pseudovirus so that it could use the spike protein to infect cells that have human ACE2 receptors. The researchers saw that relatively low levels of the NIH coven B112 nanobodies prevented the pseudovirus from infecting the cells in petri dishes. Importantly, the researchers showed that the nanobody was equally effective in preventing the infections in petri dishes when it was sprayed through the kind of nebulizer or inhaler often used to help treat patients with asthma. One of the exciting things about nanobodies is that, (coughs) unlike most regular antibodies, they can be aerosolized and inhaled to coat the lungs and airways, said Dr. Brody. The team has applied for a patent on the NIH-CoV-NB112 nanobody, although we have a lot more work ahead of us, these results represent a promising first step, said Mr. Esparza. With support from the NIH, we are quickly moving forward to test whether these nanobodies could be safe and effective preventative treatments for COVID-19. Collaborators are also working to find out whether they could be used for inexpensive and accurate testing. And if you want to read this article for yourself, you can go to sciencedaily.com and type in neuroscientists isolate promising and it'll come up. Um but I thought that would that was be interesting as you know we are at a crucial time and I know that there's a lot of information out there but I think it's important to you know, I wouldn't say excited, but you know, obviously this is, they've done tests in a lab, but obviously that doesn't always translate to, you know, it working on humans. <clears throat> but... Let me know what you think. Do you think it's looking good? Or you know, are they going down a hopeless route? Um,
No, I mean, to be honest, and to be quite frank, they can do all of, do all of these tests all day long, but we don't need hope. Yes, it's good that they're doing, you know, preliminary tests, you know, trying to figure out, you know, what would work, but realistically, I don't see how all this is going to benefit us if we are no, nowhere near a solution. That's just my view, um, and I've also found another article on the same on the same website that I thought would be interesting. Now this was Dece December seventeenth. 2020 and the title of this is COVID-19 virus enters the brain research strongly suggests now this is research this is the research they've done so you know this so take that as you will so Researchers are dis discovering why the SARS-CoV-2 virus, like many viruses before it, is bad news for the brain. In a study published December 16th in Nature Neuroscience, researchers found that the spike protein, often depicted as the red arms of the virus, can cross the blood-brain barrier in mice, in mice. This strongly suggests that SARS-CoV-2, the cause of COVID-19, can enter the brain. The spike protein, often called the S1 protein, dictates which cells the virus can enter. Usually the virus does the same thing as its binding protein said corresponding author William A. Banks, a professor of medicine at the University of Washington School of Medicine and a Puse Sound Veterans Affairs healthcare system physician and researcher. Banks said binding proteins like S1 usually by themselves cause damage as they detach from the virus and cause inflammation. The S1 protein likely causes the brain to release cyto cytokines and inflammatory products, he said. In science circles, the intense inf inflammation caused by the COVID-19 infection is called a cytokine storm. The immune system, upon seeing the virus and its proteins, overreacts in its attempts to kill the invading virus. 
the infected person is left with brain fog, fatigue and other cognitive issues. Banks and his team saw this reaction with the HIV virus and wanted to see if the same was happening with SARS-CoV-2. Banks said the S1 protein in SARS and the GP120 protein in HIV-1 function similarly. They are glycoproteins, proteins that have a lot of sugars in them. Hallmarks are proteins that bind to other receptors. Both these proteins function as the arms and hand for their viruses by grabbing onto the receptors both cross the blood-brain barrier and S1 like GP120 is likely toxic to brain tissue it was like deja vu said Banks who has done extensive work on HIV-1 GP120 and the blood-brain barrier the Banks lab studies the blood-brain barrier in Alzheimer's, obesity, diabetes and HIV. But they put their work on hold and all 15 people in the lab started their experiments on the S1 protein in April. They enlisted enlisted long-time collaborator Jacob Weber, a professor in the Department of Behavioural Neuroscience, Neurology and Radiation Medicine, and his teams at Oregon Health and Science University. The study could explain many of the complications from COVID-19. We know that when you have the COVID infection, you have trouble breathing, and that's because there's an infection in your lung. But an additional explanation is that the virus enters the respiratory respiratory centres of the brain and causes problems there as well, said Banks. Weber said in their experiments, <coughs> transports of S1 was faster in the olfactory bulb and kidney of males than females. This observation might relate to the increased susceptibility of men more severe COVID-19 outcomes. As for people taking the virus lightly, Banks has a message. You do not want to mess with this virus, he said. Many of the effects that the COVID virus has could be accentuated or perpetuated or even caused by virus getting in the brain and those effects could last for a very long time. This study was partially supported by a National Institute on Aging-funded COVID-19 supplements to a shared RFI grant of banks and labour. So... Excuse me. Um, so yeah, I thought these were interesting. Um, you know, we all know 
and you know we all know of the of the dangers you know of a virus you know we all know what to do and what not to do but here is but here's my takeaway from this and let me know what you think I have always known that regardless if it's the flu right a a flu a cold or even if you are feeling the slightest bit under the weather right, I know that that part of your body right, or your system can be attacked right and obviously can make it worse now I know for a lot of you you will have someone in our lives you know someone in our family friends who are successful or who are on the high risk you know or we are all you know we have been having so much information thrown at us from different sources you know one person, one scientist is saying one thing another scientist is saying another and we get flustered you know <clears throat> our anxiety goes up one of the best places for you to get that the information you want is from places like science daily who can get you where you can actually read the science yourself but this COVID-19 is not a joke right we know that because we've seen the amount of people that have unfortunately you know passed away from it right so this is not a joke and you know to those people who you know want to disbelieve right, and live in a fantasy world right, it's okay to live in a fantasy world right to not you know but what's not okay is to disbelieve you know the information coming from scientists coming from people on the front line right let's not forget that if it wasn't for our local you know hospitals our NHS you know people who are in the front front line emergencies services if you not if it was not for them we'd be in a much far worse situation so to anyone you know who thinks that COVID-19 is fake right right 
say that say that to the people who have lost family members from COVID nineteen and see what type of feedback they get. Right, so again, you know, I know that this is um research that is available that you know that's been typed up on right, but I think it's but I think it's important to you know get the information out there right for someone for you to at least you know either inform yourself or to be up to date but yeah that'll be it for the second episode um as we are getting closer and as we are only one day away no two days away from Christmas Eve and obviously Christmas Day um, I will be doing a mental health um, episode you know how I've you know, um, how I've been feeling what I've been struggling with hopefully hoping to you know that will help others um yeah but i want to say one thing <clears throat> i know this time of year i know this year has been crap and not everyone will be wanting to celebrate christmas but Celebrate, but celebrate Christmas the way you want. Right, celebrate it how you want to celebrate. Right now, obviously, if you have little kids, then obviously you know you then obviously you'd wanna, you want you you want to make it as memorable as possible for them. If you've got little kids, but if you haven't. You know, don't put pressure on yourself, right? You know, just celebrate it in the way you want. Either, you know, light a few candles to, you know, in memorial to a pastor of one. You know, spend time with friends via... FaceTime, call them, you know, just do what you need to do to get yourself through this tough time. Also, if you are struggling and you need to speak to someone, then do call the Samaritans on 116-123. They are open 24-7. You're going to be anonymous. Right, they'll be there to help you if you're feeling down. Also, <clears throat> if you are, if you belong to any mental health Facebook groups, then do make use of that as well. Reach out to someone. 
make sure that you've always got someone's number to hand if you need to reach out. Again, Samaritans 116-123. Again, thank you for listening. Um, and I will see you in the next one. Bye.